In life, we learn lessons. Sometimes we have the privilege of having a teacher. It really is a privilege. We can learn from our teachers. There are those who've walked this path before us. And when I say this path, that could mean anything. Life is a journey. Our elders, they're our teachers. Because where we are going, they've been before. Every turn we make, they've made before. Every time we stop to ponder, because there's a speed bump on the road, they came across that before us. And so they know what to do in those occasions because they themselves perhaps either had a teacher or they made a mistake and they learned from that. That's why I say if we are diligent, if you are eagle-eyed, always willing to learn, open-minded, observant, we can take lessons from everything we see around us. Because everything we see around us came before me. Some of you may understand the depth of those words, others will eventually. The mind always comes after the object. Meaning, the object was there before me. So everything you see around you is a teacher. If you are a student. So when the student is ready, the teacher appears. How true those words are. Must have been a wise man who said that. No, it was said before I did. So uh, it's wonderful to make a new start. And I think uh, Aswami Nuhansi, who precept, precepted you in the morning, welcomed you all. And uh, I extend that welcome to all of you. On behalf of everyone at the monastery, all the monks, presided by our teacher, Guru Swami Nuhansi, our community of Anagarikas, Anagarikas, and all of you. You know we are a family, and you know how I feel about our English listeners who come in every week so eager to share and to care, and it's because of you Lots of things have happened at the monastery, most of them good. <laughs> but with great delight, I welcome you all. And hopefully this will grow from success to success, as most things with good intention does. So today I feel quite relaxed, really, because I don't have to keep clock watching. Normally by the time I sit down and 
That's why I don't even I try and avoid the time it takes me to take a sip of water. Even that eats away into precious time. But now I can relax. I can breathe between my sentences. That's a good feeling. I can take my time explaining concepts to you. And I don't have to rush through things. Hoping with my fingers crossed that you'll understand all of it. When really I'm not doing you a great deal of justice. Because the truth is, I go through this seven days a week, 18 hours every day. About the six hours I get some shut eye. So I have my teachers who are always there to guide me, instruct me, remind me, and teach me. So what I have learned over a week to try and distill all that into a one hour talk, you should try doing that sometime. Particularly when it's something we've never done before. I think this, not Star Trek, is the final frontier. You, I, we, we go in search of the truth. Fortunately, the truth has been foretold. It has been proclaimed. And therefore, we are not on a path of invention, but on a path of discovery. The truth has been said. And it's down to you and I to walk the path that our forefathers once did. We know that this is possible. We know that this is achievable. Not because we've read it somewhere on a, in a book, but because every ounce of application that we make, by the same amount, we receive, we achieve salvation, freedom, peace of mind, being able to just be relaxed and happy. If a man's not happy, what does it matter how many years he has lived? If a man's not happy, what does it matter how much he has in his bank account? People live lives thinking that money is everything. They think that money makes them rich. But alas, some people are so poor that all they have is money. I don't want you to be someone like that. Because it's not posh to live like that. We need to learn how to truly be posh. Because to be posh is to know the right thing to do at the right time. If when your vexations get the better of you and you just succumb to them, that is not very posh at all. Because the more you keep digging, the deeper it gets. After all, what most people do is dig their own graves. Life summed up for most of them is just that. So, a new beginning, a fresh start. Fingers crossed. And with an honest and a heart full of hope 
that may many more people receive the Dhamma, may they rejoice in the Dhamma, may they have the good fortune to come across what you have, what I have, may they have enough merits to understand the purpose of Buddhas coming into this world. May they realize the truth that is so blatantly obvious, but when the veil of ignorance covers your eyes, what is so obvious, you become blind to. I have on several occasions said that this is not a unitary effort. We all get together to do this, so we all have a part to play in this. Let us begin this by paying homage to the most magnificent one, the unparalleled one, the undefeated one, the unvanquished one, the infinitely merciful one. He is none other than the greatest teacher that humanity, divine beings, and all sentient beings have ever seen. Let us pay homage to the Supreme Buddha and take our first steps on our new journey. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa I was walked down those steps by two of our young Anagarik Mahatyas today. Donned in this robe as I am. You know how I felt? I felt a superhero. And I say that very humbly, but I did. As I looked around me, I thought to myself, I've heard of a superhero called Superman. He also puts a cape around him, and when the world needs him, he goes. He saves people. But what happens when Superman needs a hero? Then who does he call? You can't call Saul. You don't know what I meant, right? No. You need to watch more TV. That was a long, long, long time ago. I used to watch a TV program called Breaking Bad. Does that ring a bell? No? No. Okay. Anyway, that to the side. One.
So when Superman needs a hero, who does he call? When Superman gets angry, when Superman gets annoyed, you've seen him when he gets annoyed, haven't you? Oh boy. He's a mess. When Superman is frustrated and he feels helpless, when he feels like he has been betrayed, when he feels like his most loved one turns away, walks away, and he's left all alone by himself, who does he call? That's why I felt like a superhero. A superhero for other superheroes. Because you see, today, I possess a mighty weapon. It's a chakra. I have it on my finger. Can you see it? It's called the Dharma Chakra. It is capable of causing great devastation. Anything in its path that takes away my happiness, it deals with in one shot, one turn of the wheel, and everything is blown into smithereens. I want you all to be able to have a Dharma Chakra. It's the most powerful weapon there is. When armed with a Dharma Chakra, the wheel of Dhamma, when armed with the wheel of Dhamma, you become invincible. Nothing can take away your happiness. Nothing can annoy you. Nothing can bother you. Nothing can frustrate you. Does that make you feel happy? I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. You're free. You feel light. You can carry the whole world on your shoulders and feel as if it's a feather. You know, today, my teacher has entrusted me with looking after this monastery. We are about 160 strong in number, and it's an ever-growing population, thanks to you, because you trust us, both with yourselves and your children. 80 monks is no small number. I think a few places, certainly in this island, where you'll find so many. 50 or so Anagarikas who are looking forward to receiving that gift. Quite a few of them will be doing that very soon.
It's high time, don't you think? It's been a while since we had an ordination ceremony at the monastery. It doesn't feel right. You know, when we sit down for Guru Swami Nuanse's sermons on a Thursday, when he, come, when he talks to us, and only to us, you want to listen to that sermon, you know where you need to be. Right? It annoys me slightly when I see there are more Anagarikas than Swami Nuanse's. And it's getting there. I don't like that. Because I challenged you a couple of years ago that we will have more high ordained monks at this monastery than Samaras. As of now, I've beaten you because we are 60 in number and only 20 Samanera monks. So you've got a lot of catching up to do. So, because it's only you who can uplift the number of Samaneras, and it is in my power to increase the number of higher ordained monks. Because where do we get Samaneras from? Your homes. Hmm? Yeah, of course. Where else do they come from? They don't fall from the sky or grow in trees. We have about 35 Anagarikas. Daughters of the Buddha. Although you won't see them in robes, if only you stop to talk with them. Boy, oh boy, I tell you. Because I do sometimes get the opportunity to speak with them. And the things that they do, the things that they have planned to do, amazing. Makes, them, makes me very proud to call them our daughters. So 160 at present, only five years ago, we were 10 in number, just 10. In five years, we have grown 16 fold. How's that for size? There's a secret to our success, a secret recipe. The most important ingredient in all of this is that we are unitary in our ambition, in our purpose. We are united behind one teacher who is a father figure to us, who loves us deeply and so sincerely. I've seen no one like him in my life. How much he's willing to give in return for so little it's just unimaginable, unimaginable. And we are unitary in our purpose because there's only two things that he always asks us to do. Just two things, not a million things, not 20 things even, just two things. If you've been coming here often enough, you'll know what those two things are. Let's see if you remember them. One, your own salvation. And two, that of others. That's it. That's why at Jetanarama Vihara, our motto is that we are exclusively for aspirants of Nibbana. Whatever we do here, we do in the name of Nibbana. That is our only purpose. That's because we've done everything else before. We've done it before. 
We've done everything before. All the things that we thought were posh, but was not very. When you're angry, and you feel like you want to hit someone, and if you also go and do that, how posh do you think that is? Does it help fix the real problem? Hmm? Someone gets a headache. You see them kicking a rock as hard as they can. You can hear bones cracking that hard. You think they're posh? You think that's posh? Someone's hungry. And you see them flogging their bottoms with a two by two. You think that's posh? That's not posh, that's just lunacy. Because if ever and whenever you do the wrong thing to fix a real problem, that's just not very posh. But to do the right thing, first you have to understand the real problem. You see, in life, when we go through challenges and obstacles, which is what life is all about, it's about how you face them. Are you someone who shuns away, walks away, looks away when you come across an obstacle, a challenge? In which case, you are not the right kind of person with the right kind of attitude for this. But if you are someone who will face challenges head on and who is willing to accept them and you see them as an opportunity for growth, to expand your horizons, to learn new things. Remember, what doesn't break you makes you stronger. I'm strong today because there were things that tried to come and break me. They tried to break me. But on every occasion, turning back was not what I did. Instead, I learned how to handle them. And you also will have gone through this lots of times in your life. You will have had to face challenges and obstacles and you will have gone through those them, through them. But the thing is, there's one challenge, there's one problem that we are all facing. And unless we take a careful look at it, it's going to be almost impossible to work out what the real problem is. Today I'll explain to you how this whole thing hangs together. I'm sure some of you will be surprised. Some of you will be inspired. And yet others will be stupefied. You'll think to yourselves, this is what it all was? Others will know exactly what to do from there on. And you know, as we discussed, 
Today we have something very special planned for all of you. We have a discussion in the afternoon. Yes, you know this? Good. So if you pay attention and you assimilate what we share with you today, I think you'll have plenty of good questions to be asking uh, Venerable Swami Nohan says in the afternoon. They'll be looking forward to answering your practical problems. In other words, you know that the reason we learn all of this is so that we know how to face those challenges in life. You know, it's commonplace that people get angry. If I ask you when was the last time you got angry, I don't think you need to go back light years huh? to think about the last time it happened. Maybe it was while you were waiting for fuel at, at the petrol station. Hmm? And someone jumped the queue. Or you were there for six hours and they said, that's it, last drop. And you were next in queue. And you feel like squeezing the poor fellow and getting fuel out of him. <laughs> or perhaps, you know, something more common, maybe at home. You know, the, there are friends, are people you can walk away from, but family. <sighs> you know why I ordained? <laughs> Family you just can't walk away from. You know, they're yours and you're theirs. Yeah. So you've got to learn how to be with family. They don't teach you that at high school, do they? No, 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 no. They don't. They only teach you this is mother and this is father. This is brother and this is sister. This is grandmother and this is grandfather. Uncle, aunt, nephew, niece. Right? Now go and sort it out <laughs> all by yourself. Right? You don't know what to say and what not to say. You don't know the things that hurt their feelings. Most of you would have learned it the hard way, am I not right? Hmm? The things that hurt, the things that you shouldn't say in front of your dad, you learned it the hard way and you still got evidence of it. Huh? <laughs> you know what I mean. The things that you shouldn't be saying to strangers. How do you know a stranger when you see one? How do you know a friend when you see one? And is it really a friend? See, they don't teach you these things at school. And they don't teach you how to control your emotions. Even if they did, it's all about controlling. Because to control, you need a manager. We are in the business of making leaders, not managers. I'm not in great favor of being able to control your emotions, or my emotions for that matter. When I get angry, I've already lost. Let's put aside this nonsense about learn to control my anger. I know that's the best that most places and most people will have to offer you. If you take a good book, however good that it might be, it'll tell you how to control your anger. But if you've become angry, 
you've already lost. It means you haven't found the truth yet. It means you believe that there are things on the outside that can take away your, your happiness. And it means you've handed over so willingly the keys to your happiness, the house of your happiness, to someone else. Do you think I'm crazy enough to ask all of you to come up and stand in a queue and say, here's the key to my happiness, madam. Here's the key to my happiness, sir. You take it and do whatever you like with it, sir. Wouldn't you think I'm crazy if I were to do that? Yeah, if you go out in the street, do you take your keys with you and just give it to strangers? Oh, you know, I live at this place, such and such address. Here's the key. Don't do anything bad. But we are like that. See, if you meet a stranger on the street, right, and they, for instance, by mistake, tread on your foot. I don't know about now, maybe, maybe now things are not quite the same, but there'll still be occasions and there will still be some of you who will get angry, who get angry. You might get annoyed and you go, you know, all these changes, doesn't it? Right? The fireworks, right? You put, start to put on a display, right? This is the happy face, right? And if something like that happens, then you immediately, you have to convey your frustration to them. I'm not angry, don't mess with me, right? Can you see that? You wanna tell the other person, right? I'm, I'm not happy right now. You have just taken away my happiness. And he'll be like, me? Sorry, when, when, it's, no, it's, my, it's not my pocket. <laughs> I never did that. No, you did. You did. You took away my happiness. Uh, no. It's not on me. You can check me if you like. I didn't, I, I didn't even touch you. No, but you did. You took away my happiness. See, they didn't even ask for it. Did they? They didn't, ever, they didn't even ask for it. But you just so willingly... Give it away. That's because you don't know the truth. You haven't realized the truth. When you don't realize the truth, you attribute your happiness to all sorts of things out there. Children, teenagers, young people, some of the things that you think your happiness comes out of are Little boxes that sit on your computer table, on your desk. Some of them have blinking lights. Some of them have things you hold in your two hands, right? These are the happiness controllers. Right? You do this, it makes you happy. This, do this, makes you angry, right? And then your mother comes and does this. And then you start throwing a hissy fit. Children, I want to help you. Stop going after Superman. Because it's all fine, you know, until Louis Lane looks at him and goes, I still love you, dear. But when one day comes, you know, and she's no more, or she decides, mm, that's it, you know, I want, I want Batman. 
He's younger, better looking as well. And he talks a good talk. I like the guy. I like him better. What's going to happen to Superman? I don't want you to be like that. That's not very posh. It's very unposh. I want you to be like him. I want you to be unshakable. Like a rock. Rain as, it, as, as much as it may. Thunder as much as it may. Lightning. May, may it struck as much as it may. Unshakable. I want you to be able to maintain your cool without any effort. See, right now, that air conditioner is doing a lot of work to keep us cool. Right? You know, you're no different unless and until you have understood the Dhamma. You have to maintain that. And when you maintain something, it requires a lot of energy. It requires effort. It's exhausting. That's why if you go to the back side of this, although it's cool on this side, what do you think it is on the other side? Hot. So while it's making us cool, it's actually doing what? It's heating up. I don't want that for you. I want you to be able to put, have a smile on your face which is natural, which is not forced. Stop all these putting up appearances. Why is it good manners to smile at someone when you see them? That's because you have to put that smile on your face. But there's a way you can have it naturally. You don't have to struggle for it. Because it's a representation of what goes on on the inside. And to do that, all you need to do is realize the truth. For as long as you keep expecting the outside world to make you happy, as long as you keep doing that, folks, the only thing that you will be is unhappy. Happiness not, does not come from the outside. And all we need to do is understand how all this works. It is our ignorance that tells us something that is not true. It is our ignorance that strays us from the path of happiness. I need you to understand that. And I need you to help your friends, your family, your loved ones understand and realize that. You know, parents, I know, how work really hard, tirelessly, day and night, to give the best that they can afford to their children. I know some of you will have gone every mile. You will have not spared a drop of sweat or a drop of blood. In the event that that is what you will have to do, you will do it unreservedly. Because to give your children and your family, to keep them happy, I know you're willing to go to great lengths. But what if you're going on the wrong path? Now, going to great lengths on the wrong path 
is a grave mistake. Actually, if it's the wrong path, how far do you think you should go? <laughs> if you're on the wrong path, do you, how far do you think you should go? Huh? You shouldn't even start, really, should you? Yeah. But how far do parents actually go on the wrong path to, making, to try and make their children happy? How far do spouses, husbands on behalf of their wives and wives on behalf of their husbands go to making them happy on the wrong path? How far do our teachers go? I don't mean the teachers in the Dhamma. I mean other kinds of teachers. Go to making their students happy on the wrong path? How far should you go on the wrong path? Not at all. The thing is this, right? People are so motivated. And that's good. It's good to be motivated. But it's not good to be motivated and ignorant. That's a recipe for disaster. Because then you have a motivated fool. It's dangerous. Not just for the person who's motivated, but also for others. You know, if you're motivated the wrong way, if you're ignorant, you are a walking bomb, a walking disaster to people around you. Think about the things you have done in your lives, right? in, your, in your lives at home, right? All the years that you, you know, at, at one point you will have become the breadwinner of your family. Perhaps you will have, you know, you've become the parent, right? You're the mother, you're the father, you're the adult at home, and you're responsible now for keeping your family happy. You know, think back to that, that first day where it dawned on you, right? You know, oh gosh, you know, I'm, I'm now responsible for this whole place. I'm going to have to run this town, right? So remember that day. And from there till now, by now I mean until you came across the Dhamma. From there till now, think about the things that you've done. When your children said, Mommy, 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 I want that. Okay, Puta, do your homework, get your grades, and I will get you that. Right path or wrong path? Did, you didn't stop to teach them that that was not where happiness was, did you? No. Really, you were trading with them. Shame on you. To get what you want? Huh? To get what you want? Shut your ears, Buddha. To get what you want? Huh? You got them to get what you want? You got them what they wanted. So you taught them that happiness can be traded. See? See? What did I say? See? You taught them that happiness can be traded. Make me happy and I'll make you happy. Did, was it not you who taught them that lesson? So was it any, is it any surprise then that they one day, you know, they leave home and they go looking for other you know, strangers uh, who they welcome into their lives with, their, with open arms huh? and they go, Hmm, I like you. How about I make you happy and you make me happy? You know, they both come from the similar families. And in both families, they'll have learned that happiness can be traded. 
So now they're ready to trade what? Trade happiness. I wonder what the exchange rate is. <laughs> More like none to none. <laughs> Ask yourselves, wasn't this what happened? And there those in the house, married. Huh? You first thought happily married, and then now you're married and you're still here coming to the monastery to learn how to be happy. If you're happily married, why are you here, madam? Huh? And then a few years down the line, you held it in your arms and went, the, my bundle of joy, my bundle of happiness. Huh? This is what I've been waiting for all my life. You are the apple of my eye. You almost lost an eye. And you're still here. This is the best evidence that I can give you. <laughs> is it not? Your presence here. See, there's no getting out of this now. If you're here, you have to listen to me say these things. Right? <laughs> and to be happy, you have to be here. So you're in a real dilemma, stuck between a rock and a hard place. You don't want me to say these things. But at the same time, if you're not here, you can't hear what you need to hear. But the truth is the truth is the truth. The very fact that you're here means you have come here looking for something. You want me to give you something that you don't have. But just look at you and I. What do I have? So you even have a sorrow. I don't even have that. You have a head full of hair. I don't even have that. Do you remember the last time you went out to eat? Hmm? For a meal? Nice restaurant, wasn't it? Remember? I don't. Long ago. I can't even remember. But apparently you've come here looking for something that I have that you don't. You got money. I don't. Actually, any money I have is your money. <laughs> you cook and you eat. I come up to you and I beg. Please, sir, would you mind, sir? And when you have decided that's it, I'm not going to give you any more. I can't say a word. It's forbidden by the veneer. It's forbidden. I have to just turn around and walk away and try my luck at the next house. That's the way it is. When was the last time you went out shopping for clothes? Hmm? Last month? How much do you set aside in your budget for, you know, for your fashion and uh, your, you know, your, your clothing? How much in your budget do you set aside for that, your monthly budget? And how much do you set aside for entertainment? I don't have a budget. 
I don't have one. So I can't afford entertainment, unfortunately. Hmm? What's the latest movie in the cinema? Don't just nod your head. Come on. <laughs> huh? What's it? You don't know? Oh, good. Hmm? Oh, Thor. Oh, right. <laughs> well, like most of you, I don't know. I don't know. There were days when I did, but those days are gone. But I'm still happy. You know, that I think is what being posh is all about. Where I don't need things on the outside, I don't need anything from the external to make me happy. Of course I need a meal, because otherwise my tummy starts to rumble. Right? Then I, that's when I have to come up to you with my arms pole and say, please, can I have some? I do feel cold. This morning was particularly. And so, as soon as I woke up, I made sure I had my rope around me to keep myself warm. And when it rains, as it does these days quite a bit, right? if I'm out and about, I'll quickly carry myself to the kuti to give myself shelter. And like the last few weeks, I've not been very well. But you have been ever so kind and you've looked after me with your cough syrups and your strepsils and your... I think by the time that all of you decided that you were going to treat me, right, the doctor said, if you take all that Swami answer. <laughs> You won't have a throat left. <laughs> huh? So I need these four things. You know, as for as long as I need to carry this burden around with me, I need these four things. But besides that, besides that, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. You can say nice things to me. Unfortunately, that doesn't make me happy. You can say harsh things to me. And unfortunately, that doesn't make me unhappy. You can praise me all you like. You can blame me all you like. You can discredit me. You can pass on your merits. You can do all sorts of things, but none of those things will really make me happy or make me unhappy. I want you to be the same. Because you can. That's why you should. Because you can. You can take away any of this. It's fine. You will be indebted to the sasana, <laughs> that you'll have to repay. But personally, it would, wouldn't bother me. At one point, you know, along when we first came here, people came and they wanted to chase us out of this place. You know, the place that I called home. They said, no, out. And had they decided that 
this belonged to them and we had to leave, you and I wouldn't be meeting here. Because this is not what makes me happy. I have the Dharma Chakra. That's always spinning on my finger. If you have if you've got one, you can see it. It's only visible to those who also have one. Otherwise, it'll just be why are you holding your finger up, Swami Nansa? <laughs> It's like the emperor's clothes. Hmm? That's like the Swami Nuhasa's Dharma Chakra. <laughs> no, but if you've got one yourselves, you know what I'm talking about. And you've got that Dharma Chakra with you. Right view. I'm talking to you about right view. This is the noble eightfold path. This is the path to nobleness. What is nobleness really? It is something that the king or the, the emperor bestows upon you? Is it something I need to go and get from the queen? I hereby knight you hmm? and you now become a nobleman. Is that how it works? Well, you get it from the king, but not that king. This king. He knights you. Hmm? He does. He takes the Dharma Chakra and he throws it at you. If you are wise enough, diligent, and you catch it, and you, and you let it do all sorts of things to you, then you become a knight in the sasana. It's a great honor. And it's my pride. I want you all to feel the same, like a superhero. I want you to feel like Superman. Actually, I want you to be Superman for Superman. Where he fails, I want you to win. Because you can. That's what the Dhamma lets us do. And to do that, folks, although it may be difficult when you first begin, when you first start this, there are things that we have to keep on doing. Once you identify what is right, okay? Once you know what is right, when's the right time to do that? Tell me. All the time, right? You know the right answer, you know the wrong answer, right? Let's take an example. You've got a headache. There's some paracetamol. And there's a rock. It says, bang your head on this. Paracetamol says, take two, six hourly. Hmm? You got a headache. What's the right answer? Paracetamol. Tell me, when would you ever decide to go and bang your head on the rock if you've got a headache? When's, when's the right time to do that? When is it okay to do that? You know, when is someone going to say, mm, in those circumstances, yeah, it's fine, it makes sense. It makes sense to go and bang your rock on the head. Oh, sorry, bang, 
Yeah, more like that, really. <laughs> Bang your head on the rock if you've got a headache, and you know, forget the forget the paracetamol. When when is the right time to do that? When is it? Never, never. So if something's not the right answer, when should you be choosing that versus the right answer? Never. Never. Hmm? Never. If you want, you can add another one. Never. Ever. Yes. Because if something's not the right answer, the only time you should be choosing that, when the right answer is there, right in front of you, is never, ever. That's the only time you should do it. Now, would you forgive me if I ask you a question? Hmm? <laughs> you won't hold a grudge against me, would you? I, I love you, really. Okay, question then. You want to go on a trip because you haven't been out in a while. The sun's out, right? lovely weather. Hmm? And uh, you know, it's that time of year when everyone goes out. Right? Your friends are saying, you know, we're going this place, we're going that place. What are you doing this weekend? Right? And uh, you haven't been out in a while, I think I already said that. And you decide that, oh, yeah, I think I should as well. You know, maybe go on a safari. Maybe. Uh, you know, go see the, 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 the birds, maybe, you know, do some bird watching, or maybe, you know, go kayaking or canoeing, or maybe upsailing, or, you know, maybe climbing a tree like the monkeys do, or, you know, or something, right? Tell me, when is the right time to do that? Uh, but when do you do that? Always. Now, you know, let's get this straight, right? I don't want to come across as, uh, what's the word, sanctimonious. Which means, you know, sounding that I am on my moral high horse. That, you know, I'm better than you. Please, don't insult me by thinking that I ever would say something like that with that intention. Although these words might come across as such, it's never meant to be that. Because I am or I was where you are. You are my past and I am your future. So I look at you with compassion. I, not, I don't look down upon you. I look at you at equal, as equals. I respect you deeply because of all the things you could do on a saturday morning you're here meaning you want to change you know that there's something that is not right you know that there's the right answer but i keep going for the wrong answer help me now that's truly worthy of respect you deserve worship You know what it means to worship? To be worthy-ship. That is how that word has come to being. To be worthy of respect. 
That's why we worship. You are worthy of respect because you have chosen to make that change in your lives. You know, anyone who decides that I need to change is truly a remarkable character because that's the hardest thing for people to do, isn't it? The easiest thing to do is change others, change the world around you. If you don't like something, change it. If you don't like someone, tell them to change. And the, when, when, you know, when he or she says that he doesn't realize what he's asking someone else to do is what he or she finds most difficult to do. You see the irony in that? I don't like it. So I asked him to change. I said, why don't you change? No, it's, I don't think it's difficult to change. Uh, hello? <laughs> Did you just hear what you said? Most people don't want to change because they think the status quo, they think how I am is how it's meant to be. This is right. This is fine. This is the way to be. Unfortunately, that is what ignorance is. In fact, that is what ignorance is. Thinking that the way you are is the right way to be. Now, you'll tell me, well, Swaminasa, don't you think the Buddha also th thinks that? The way I am is the right way to be? And that's the thing about ignorance. You don't know when you're ignorant. <laughs> That's the problem with ignorance. When you're ignorant, you don't know that you're ignorant, right? Because an ignorant mind doesn't know that it's ignorant, otherwise it wouldn't be ignorant. But we know one thing for certain. He is happy. Regardless, he doesn't need you or me to make him happy. But we know that living life, going through life, we still expect things to make us happy. That means there are, there's a problem, right? Whether there's a solution, an answer or whatever, there's a problem. And we know that we, are, we, we become angry, we become upset, we become sad, disappointed, dejected, anxious. Nervous, nervous breakdowns. You know, ask yourselves these questions, folks. If you are a husband or a wife, are you prepared to find out that your partner has betrayed you? If that happened today, how would that make you feel? Now, you know, it might sound like I'm painting such a gloomy picture in your eyes, but the truth is these things happen to people Aren't you a person? Well, then they happen to folks like you. The thing is, right, when we talk about these things to people, they think, yeah, yeah, Swami Nasi, yeah, you know what, you know, people, people should, they should listen to the Dhamma. They should practice the Dhamma because if something like that happened to people, you know, what are they going to do? But they don't realize that they're also a member of that set. That is people. Means Things happen to them. Put aside betrayal, you know there's something that will most certainly happen to all of you. All the loved ones that you gathered, collected, picked up along the way on this journey of life, all of them, each and every one of them without exception, you're going to have to say goodbye. Either you'll have to say goodbye to them one by one 
or you'll have say goodbye to them all at once. How does that happen? When it's your turn. Hmm? When it's your turn? <clears throat> and because people don't realize this, you know, on this journey, they keep on collecting these loved ones, like train run. You know, you collect your coins along the way, right? Like, you see, just ask yourselves, you know, you, by now, you don't not, you, you not only have mother, father, some of you will have siblings, which again, family, like we said at the beginning, you had no choice about that, right? Then you had friends, you had some choice about that, you, had a, you have a loved one, or some of you have loved ones. No, not you, right? <laughs> okay. And, and then what about puppies? Kittens. Oh, kittens. <laughs> huh? What about your pet rabbit? Yeah, yeah, that fluffy thing. <laughs> yes, that cute fluffy thing. You know, just, just look at, you know, think about yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror when you, you know, hold your rabbit in one hand. Go and stand in front of the mirror and look at yourself and go, oh. You know, that's just asking for trouble. It's too late now. Some people have pet hamsters. <laughs> parrots. All sorts. It's like, you know, it's not enough for me to cry just once, twice, three times, four times because of mother, father, brother and sister. I need more reasons to cry. The problem is not with having them around you. The problem is your attachment to them. Because it is not the presence of someone that makes you unhappy. In which case, you know, I'd be crying all day. Look at you, you're all here. 160 people in this monastery. Do you think I'm mad? It's not their presence that's going to take away my happiness. It's attachment. Sometimes, you know, Anagarikas, they come, they stay with us, they say, oh, Swami Nansa, this is the place for me. Right? I've been looking for this all my life. Next week, they're gone. And when I get news, all I can say is, is that so? That's the question I have to ask. At least if they tell me before they go, then I can talk to them. Right? But sometimes they don't. Very posh indeed. What can I do? You know, they have not been touched by the Dhamma yet. So I can't expect the kind of behavior that I would expect, or at least, you know, the, the, the decorum that I can expect from, from someone who has been touched by the Dhamma, who has become, in fact, posh. Because the thing is, right, we, don't, we, don't do a, yeah, we, don't, we don't do an interview before, or a rather like a job qualification, you know, interview, application interview before we take someone, you know, if you're sensible, if you've got your arms and your legs and you, you know, you can hold yourself upright, right, generally speaking, you know, because we, we, we believe that it is our duty to give what the Buddha offered to all humanity, right, and it's only because the Buddha has forbidden some kinds of individuals because of, you know, physical deformities and so on, that we have to sometimes, you know, turn around and say, I'm really sorry, my son, but I can't help you on this occasion. Otherwise, you know, if he hadn't laid down those rules, there'll be a lot more people here. <coughs> Excuse me.
<clears throat> so I, we consider it is our duty to pass on this gift to as many people as we can. <clears throat> but sometimes they'll come and then they'll stay and they'll tell us that this is the place for them. They always want to be here for the rest of their lives. They can't imagine anywhere living here, anywhere but here. Right? And sometimes, you know, when their parents come with them and they'll, you know, turn around and say, Amma, I don't want you to ever come back here again. Right? I'm happy where I am. Right? Don't come back here again. Right? Don't call me. I'll call you. So true. She doesn't have to call. Sometimes next week, he's already home ringing us saying, mm, change my mind. That happens from time to time. I think in all the five years that we've been here, maybe on three or four occasions, maybe a handful of occasions it has happened. And it, it doesn't upset me though. It doesn't upset me. Because it is presence, not attachment. I'm here to do my duty. And the same goes for all of you. I would be a, you know, you wouldn't trust me, would you? If, for instance, you came here and said, Swaminansa, you know, I know we've been coming here for the last so many years, but we've decided that, you know, you're not the right one for us. We don't like what you're preaching. It doesn't make any sense. You just sound like a hypocrite. Uh, you don't even practice the things you preach, right? So we're going to go and uh, uh, we're never going to come back here. I imagine one of you came up here and said that, <clears throat> and the rest of you are sitting there looking at me, wondering what Swami Nance is going to do now. Uh, if you then all of a sudden see me, get down on my knees and say, oh no, please, madam, don't do that. Oh, please. What do you think is going to happen to me if you do that? What do you think the rest of them are going to do? Well, I, you know, they'll be out of here sooner than this person. <laughs> Point is, attachment causes suffering. That's why your understanding of this is, there's no prerequisite for you to kick everyone out of your, out of your life. You know, I see some new faces in the audience, which is why I'm reminding you about this. These things, they're, they're very important. Even for, you know, the more regu regulars, you still need from time to time for me to remind you these things. Otherwise, you know, you could forget. Sometimes when you become so focused on one thing, you lose sight on what's in the periphery. And that can be dangerous. Walking the path of Dhamma is something you have to do very consciously, very carefully, because a lot of time, a lot of the time, the right path can be mistaken. And remember, how far should you, how far is it right to go on the wrong path? Not at all. So, have your loved ones around you. The problem is not the once. The problem is loved. Not once. So you don't need to turn the ones to zeros. You get what I mean? Yeah. You don't need to turn the ones into zeros. The problem is loved. You can still call them loved ones. And you're all my loved ones. That's my point here. I feel about you the same way I feel about my parents. Now I know, you know, if you know, they are special through the connection that I have with them. So, for instance, if I, if I 
God forbid, I hit one of you, okay, versus I hit my parents, it's going to give me a lot more demerit doing that than, than this. That's because of the connection that I have with them. But what I mean is, in terms of how I feel about all of you, I feel just the same way. I can confidently say that by this point, I was talking about the point of, you know, one day you're all going to say goodbye. You're all going to have to say goodbye yeah, to the people around you. I can confidently say that when it's my time to say goodbye, either them to me or me to them, I'm okay with that. I'm quite okay with that. I really am. I would be a fool if I didn't prepare myself for that. <clears throat> Got some good news for you. Well, it's more good news for me, but good news for me is good news for you, isn't it? So I'll share with you nonetheless. So finally, my dad has decided that he's going to come to Sri Lanka. I know, yeah. And when I when he heard when I heard him say that, I just kept on saying sadhu 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 sadhu. <laughs> And he thought the video stuck. <laughs> but you wouldn't believe what he said after that. Ah, oh, dad, some people just can't change. You know, he said, he's now, uh, I think, just over 70. And he said, uh, you know, after I come to Sri Lanka, <clears throat> so they had this home in Gampa. And he said, you know, now I want to come and relax. I, I'm just too old for all this. It's too cold. And the winter is just, you know, it just kills me. So I'm going to come to Sri Lanka. And, uh, you know, I can, I can be at home, you know, do some gardening, relax, you know, do whatever. And, you know, when I'm older, can you believe this man? He's my father. He says when he's older, huh, he'll come closer to the monastery. <laughs> when he's older, and he's over 70. You want to hear what I said to him in return? I said, don't. No, seriously. I said, if you, you know, what are you talking about? Who are you kidding? How much older can you get? These are my frank words with my dad. And I said, you know, you're 70 now, and you're telling me when I'm older, you're going to come to the monastery and listen to the Dhamma. You should come and see how the 60-year-olds do in the sermons. That didn't sit too well with you. No. Oh. You, I need your help. Now, one of these days he'll come. Uh, I think he, he's meant to come in September sometime. He was meant to come here on my anniversary of becoming a monk, but 
mother had other plans. So, so he's going to come end of September and then he's going to come for an almsgiving at the monastery. Um, I don't know, you know, if, if he has the good fortune of bumping into some of you, then, you know, you will be able to help him change his mind. I'm 70 and he says, when I'm older, can you believe that? And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, why did I bother preaching the Dhamma to you for the last five, three years? He, you know, he's a good man, but hard to believe he's a scientist. You know, where's the logic? He's taught me to take, you know, take everything logically and, and look at everything analytically. And, you know, he says, when he's older, he'll come here. I, say, I said, don't. I said, don't because, you know, one, when you're older, I can't even sit you down and talk to you for five minutes. Now, you'll be nodding to everything I say, even before I ask the questions. What good is that to me? I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to come here so I can be your nanny. I've already done my fair share of that. Thank you very much. He knows I used to work in a care home looking after all granddads and nannies and you know, changing their nappies and all sorts, right? I've got enough of that experience, right? And you know, that's not what a son needs to do for his father. I said, come here as soon as you can because I, as much as my younger brother who lives with him, has the right to look after him. So I spoke up for my rights. I have a right to look after my father. I have a right to look after my mother. Why am I saying, this thing, saying these things to you? Because I want you to be the same. You have a right. You have a privilege. <clears throat> I don't like people who say, why should I look after my father? And there are three other children in the family. So why, should, why is it always I who have to look after him? Or who has to look after him? Why is it always I who have to look after my mother? It's a right that I have. It's a privilege that I have. And it's my honor. But right now, the way I need to be able to do that is not feeding him and washing him and looking after him, right? And taking him for a walk like I used to do with Tommy, right? He needs me now. He needs a Superman. Before it's too late. He needs to understand the truth. And I feel the same about all of you. So don't be coming here when you're older. Come here now. So I can look after you. So that we can all look after you. Come as close as you can. You can get as close as this. Come as close as you can. Because it's not the ones that's a problem. It's the attachment that's a problem. So when I teach you how to free your mind from attachment, that lesson passes through this system first. You can't teach without learning. It's a good thing to remember.
Because when you say something out loud, who's heard it first? You have, right? So you can't teach without learning yourself. That's why the best way to learn is to teach. Even if you're mute, you're still learning. Other people will not be able to hear what you say, but you're still learning. So let's work out. Let's understand, folks, for your sakes, the truth. I want you to feel empowered. I, I, I honestly do. I, I don't have enough words sometimes. I, I feel, you know, I, I stumble because there's a feeling in my heart that I want to express and give out to you. This gentleman I think I've only seen today. But I feel the same about you as I do about everyone in the audience, sir. We've met so many times before. This is not the first time. But I don't want to meet you again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to meet any of you again. Because if you and I meet again, I haven't done my job right. Aren't I right? I haven't shown you the true path to happiness. I haven't shown you how you can be happy all by yourself. If you have to keep coming here, you know, like a restaurant, you have to keep going to the restaurant. And that's why when you, when you leave, they say, thank you for coming. See you again. Yeah. And besides, you know, you've got a problem that is incurable. Hunger. For as long as you carry this around with you, yeah, there's a problem that's incurable. Would you like to go to a doctor who says, thank you for coming, see you again? <laughs> huh? You feel like, say what? <laughs> yeah. Because they have a problem that is incurable. So they need you to keep them up and running. But we are in a different kind of business. In this business, the success of this business is determined by how many people stop coming here. I'll say that again. The success of this business is determined by how many people stop coming here. Not how many people keep on coming here. That's why I like to see new faces. That's why when I see regular faces, I say, are you, are you still here? What the heck? You have not been listening to anything I've been saying all along? Have you not found the truth yet? Because once you've gotten this, now you go keep giving to other people and free yourselves. I want you to walk away fulfilled. I want you to walk away having realized so you don't have to, you know, be, what's his name, who kept, came in, kept coming back asking for more? Oliver, yes, Oliver Twist. I don't want you to keep coming back asking for more. Because that's what we've been doing all our lives. Can I have some more, please? Can I have some more, please? Can you give me some more, please? Hmm? Whoever you went to, that's what you asked for. You bought a car, 
Six years, ten years later, what do you do? Go and ask the, car, the salesman again. Can I have some more, please? You went to the restaurant, and they served you. You said, you know, what's what's you know what's special today? Oh, you know, we've got the finest duck. Let me get you that, sir. Walks away and brings you and says, this is the best we've got, and here's a bottle of the best that we have. Uh, it's the finest. Hmm? So you are you are given the impression that once you've have once you've had this, you've had it all, right? That's the impression you get. So you have it. A few weeks later, when you weren't back enough money to go back to that restaurant, right? What do you go and say? Can I have some more, please? Meaning they didn't really give you enough. Meaning they never had it. You know, when you walk into a restaurant, and you see it's full. You know what I think? Useless place. <laughs> I want you to see the depth of these words. Useless place. Why? They can't make people happy. So therefore, people have to keep coming back. Asking for more. Can I please? You made me happy last time. I'm not happy yet. Can you make me happy again, please? That's what I feel. Parents need to help their children learn these truths. Because this lesson you only have to learn once. If you learn it right, you only have to learn it once. The Buddha doesn't come back for seconds. The great Arahants, they don't come back for seconds. They were gone and they're gone. That's it. They don't come back. Because they're happy. They're free. They don't have to carry this burden around with them. Fear, grief, anxiety, nervousness, none of those things bother them. You know, your coming here should amount to something, folks. Right? You know, it's good that you keep coming here regularly. But I need you to get something out of this. I don't count the success of my sermons by the number of heads I have in the house. That is not success. In fact, when I walked down today, I thought there'd probably be like four or five of you here. Honestly. I thought, well, that'll be good because then I can talk to them personally. I was quite surprised to see a full house. Because in this business, its success is you not coming back. Now, of course, you need to take this intelligently, not foolishly, right? You need to be able to grasp these concepts, understand the truth so that you never have to come back. You can if you want, but not because you have to. I want to see, I want to see a day where I know confidently that you will never cry again. Can you promise me that? That is when I feel that I have done my, my, my job. Honestly, you know, these are my KPIs. Anything I do, I, 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 this is the way I have to always train myself. I need to have some metrics. I need to have some measures of how I measure success. Anything I approach, I, I put myself smart goals and make sure that I know what I'm reaching for. I know what I'm doing. I know the time that I give myself to do that. Right? And, and, you know, if, if you are going to be students here, I need to know that this is going to be productive. 
I need assurances that you will never cry again in your lives. I need assurances that nothing, that there will be a day, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but that there will be a day where other people can't annoy you. Other things can't annoy you. A loose button on your shirt doesn't bother you. A flat tire doesn't give you a bad hair day. I want that assurance. I want you to come here only if you promise me that you will work towards that. Otherwise, you're wasting your time, I'm wasting mine, and we're wasting each other's. Perhaps someone better could do a better job, in which case I should stand up and let someone else take this place. I need that assurance from you. I honestly do. Every person in this room, I'm talking to you each and every one personally, every gentleman, every lady, every child. If you are tuning into these talks online, if you are giving me your time, if you think that these words are valuable, then I need something back from you. I need your assurance that you will work to that goal. So this is not a nice to do. This is not a let's do if you have some time to do. This should not be that. This should be the purpose of your lives. Because the truth is, everything else you've been doing in your lives, you've done for one purpose. And that purpose is the same here. All I'm saying is, all this time you've been walking down the wrong path. You've been doing a mighty good job at that, but walking down the wrong path. How far should you go on the wrong path? Not at all. None at all. So this is the right path. We know that this is the right path because we've got results. This is a very practical path, a very pragmatic. This is not just purely theoretical. You know, that's why I don't talk to you about Abhidhamma. I talk to you about how to make real life changes. Because, you know, you could become scholars and, you know, you could get yourself a PhD in the Abhidhamma, but someone treads on your foot and you get angry and you swear back at them. What good does that do? Would the Buddha ever say, he's my disciple, he's my student, she's my daughter? The Buddha would never say that just because you, do, you understand the Dhamma or you know the Dhamma. That is not what transforms you. Remember, this is a practice. More important than your understanding or you knowing the theory is how much you practice that. These are words that my teacher keeps on pumping into my ears every single day. If I ever bump into him, he'll always tell me, this path, practice is more important than anything else. He says if people only practiced 10% more than they do right now, and they knew 90% less than they do now, they'd still be in a better place. Do you understand the depth of those words? So people actually know far too much than they need to know. Because what happens when you know a lot of things, then you never know which one to practice. You just keep trying different things. And time flies by. But if you perhaps only knew one thing, you know, it's the way I do things. I, 
I may come here and talk to you about lots of different things. I'll talk to you about different karmasthana, you know, in future when you start practicing meditation sessions and so on. See, even that, the meditation sessions that we have planned for the future, I want them to be practical sessions. So rather than me giving you karmasthana, what I really have in mind is when you make use of those discussions, right, you will come and ask your practical questions. Swami answer, I have this problem in my life. And you know how far our Swami Nuances have gone to help you get the most of this? They, they suggested that it may be that some of you will have personal questions. Sometimes questions which you are not able to ask in an audience. But you'll be happy to get the answer to that in an audience because it's not just you. Generally, it's not just you who has that problem. Sometimes we think I'm the only one in this, with this problem. That's because you think you're the center of the world. Really, people have all been through these things before. That is the truth. There is no one problem in this world that only you have ever come across. We've all been there. We've all done that. Right? So what they said was, why don't we have a box? Right? So people can put in their questions, if they wish, anonymously. And then we can take those chits, read them, and then we can give an answer. So everyone can benefit. You know, the, the, the disadvantage of coming and asking your question personally is that other people can't benefit from it. But the truth is, it's not just you who has a problem. That is the disadvantage of that. So we can overcome that. You can write down the problem you have. Have you got that box ready? Wonderful. So there's a box that will be available at the back of the room. If you have something that you can't ask in in an audience, because it may be, may be a problem that you have with your spouse, maybe a problem that you have with your friends, or maybe your children, maybe at the workplace, maybe here. I doubt it, but maybe, maybe. Or maybe, you know, you have an illness that you really don't want to talk out loud about. Perhaps you have something terminal. And some people don't like to talk about those things until they further themselves in the Dhamma. Then they realize this is just a body. I'm not talking about an illness that I have. It's just a, an illness of the body. If I had cancer, for instance, you came and asked me, I'd have no problem telling you I did. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry about it. I wouldn't feel, you know, I, I, I wouldn't allow it to consume me. If, that, if you get what I mean. You know, I, I, you know I, I see these things happening in the world around me and I, I always think to myself, you know, people, we can help people be different, right? For instance, I, I like it that people do this, but there's always a better, a, a more effective answer. For instance, let's say someone in the family gets cancer, okay? Say the mother gets cancer. Now she has to shave her head. To make her feel better, what do everyone else in the family do? They also shave. How far down the wrong road should you go to get the right answer? It's okay that people do that because that's the best that they can do. But I'm saying, you know, they haven't sought refuge in the Dhamma. 
Because to that person, you know, shaving their head means now they've lost something that they love so dearly. Isn't that the problem? It's not losing the hair. It's the love for the hair. That's why I say, you know, it's too late if you come here when you are terminally ill. Because it may be, it just may be that you don't have the mindset now to, to actually understand what I'm saying. Because then you're too engrossed and too, you know, too consumed by the grief. The best time to understand the Dhamma is right now. When you don't have something that's, you know, too bothering you or too annoying you or, you know, something that's consuming you. When you're free to, actually, all you have are, the, you know, just the usual vicissitudes of life that you have to face and, 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 and overcome. This is the right time for this. Several times people do come in when they've got a cancer. Why am I saying these things to you? Because you're also people. And who get cancers? People do. People do. On several occasions I've had people who've come, sometimes young people, 20s, 30s, they've been given six months to live. I, never before were they interested in coming to the monastery. Their friends, their family have tried to interest them in doing that, but no, they were not interested. You see, even that should be evidence that the things that they used to do in their life for happiness was not the answer, right? Because if they were, why come to the monastery now? Just think about it. You know, if you, if you ever get a, a, a terminal illness, right? Let's just say cancer. If you ever get a cancer and then you decide, I need to go to the monastery, what does that say about all the things you've been doing until then? Useless. Because those things didn't make you happy. And now you realize that, you know, all the things in the world, all the money in my bank is not going to make me happy. Because no matter which restaurant I go to, no matter who I spend my time with, my friends, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, no matter what I wear, no matter where I go and party or dance or drink or whatever, I still can't stop myself from thinking that it's I who's got the cancer and this cancer is killing me and I'm going to have to lose my friends and my family and leave everyone behind. I can't deal with that grief right now. Is where the, those people are then. So wasn't that problem there right from the start? It was just suppressed. Because other things took center stage in their life. Other things were more important to them. You know, carrying this body around is just a cancer waiting to happen. With the kind of foods that we eat these days, with the kind of lifestyles that we live these days, with all the pollutants in the air and the water and, you know, everything that we have to put ourselves through these days, all the stress and the strain that you have to put yourself through these days, right? It's just going to keep getting worse. So really, more people should budget some of their time for something like this. They'll budget their finances to the last penny. They'll say the important things first. Let me pay my bills first. Let me pay my mortgage first. Right? Let me put aside my, uh, the, the taxes and whatever that they have to allocate their budget to. But how many people really budget their time? Money you can always earn. How can you earn time? Once you've spent it, 
you spent it. You can never earn it back. That's why I'm so against this, you know, as I say, time is money. Nonsense, utter nonsense. You can give time and get money, but you can't give money and get time. How can they be the same? If they're the same, then you should be able to give one and get the other, whichever way. I need you to be different. That's why I need an assurance from you. I need you to work towards your salvation. I need you to assure me that these words are not wasted. Not as a thank you for me, but for your sake. These words I'm saying because it's you here. If it was a different audience, I would have said something completely different. Had I been in, a, in another room in a different audience, these things would have been completely different. And I know this for certain. I've, you know, I've, I've been on, in this seat, I've done these talks several times now, and never on one occasion have I come here and said exactly what I wanted to say. It's never been like that. Always the audience is different. Something about someone is different. Today we have the good gentleman here. Perhaps he's the reason you got to hear these words from me. Perhaps. You know, there were some things I thought I should talk about today. As I woke up this morning, looked at the Buddha, you know, paid my veneration and thought, what am I going to say today? I should talk to them about the Four Noble Truths. Honestly, that's what I told I would come and talk to you about today. See? So when I sat down, I started, you know. Then he came and looked behind and he gave me a lesson. That changed everything. All my plans scrapped. <laughs> because he wants to be, he was to be my teacher today. And he said, look behind and said, learn from your past. Don't make the same mistake twice. So what I'm talking to you about today is that we've made so many mistakes in our lives, making the wrong decision, walking down the wrong path. And we just kept on walking so blindly, thinking that I'm going to get some, somewhere someday. Never happened. Because when you don't have a vision, when you don't have the right vision, when you don't have your eyes set on the right destination, every path you take seems like the right one. It seems like the right one. You lived your lives, each and every one of you, very different lives. Right? You were, none of you are from the same place from the same town, unless you're you know, from the same household, you lived in different places, you went about life doing different things, different occupations, different ventures, right? Business some, professions others, right? You travel the world, different places, right? And you're all, although you're all here right now, you all, you all represent different, numerous walks of life. But you're all here right now. Meaning all those paths didn't yield what you expected from them. That's why you all come here right now. Each and every one of you will bear evidence to that. What I thought I was doing to get me where I wanted to be was not the path. 
they led you here yes but none of them had the destination but the things you did the people you met the experiences you had led you here thankfully because it could have just as well led you somewhere else but it led you here you didn't know that this is where it was leading you right you didn't have your mindset on this place by this place i don't mean this monastery i mean the dhamma the dharma chakra so you can wield the dharma chakra that's what i mean it doesn't have to be this place it can be some other place but you didn't know that the lives you were leading the paths you took were going to lead you here you didn't go into a restaurant thinking some day this will take me to the dhamma to the to the monastery you didn't go to a party thinking one day this is going to take me to the monastery you didn't go traveling the world thinking one day it's going to take me to the monastery or to the dhamma they just happened eventualities but now that you have come across this make a solemn promise to yourselves that you will not stray from it your noble companionship will be your safeguard your merits will be your light that will guide you that's why you looking after each other is so important till you continue this journey and bring it to a conclusion my kalyanamitas who i spend my day with are so important your presence here means today i have had the chance to listen to these words did you hear what i said the chance to not say i didn't say say i said listen to these words because had it not been for you madam or for you sir for you sir i would not have been able to hear these words today having heard them i feel inspired i feel i want to up my game even more this is how i feel i feel even more that i need to be a superhero even for the supermen out there because they don't know what they're missing they don't know what they're lacking they don't know what they don't have how can you and i need you to be part of that you might feel i've been rallying you you know over the last few weeks come on come on let's do this you know we should all be in this part together because i feel something big is coming i don't know what it is yet but i can feel something something big is about to happen that's why every week you know i've been talking to you like this haven't i i've been saying you're part of the army you need to you know we need to come together we need to join forces something big is coming i feel it's going to be our time soon when i say our what i mean by that is the time for the dhamma to raise its head again and serve mankind serve this nation serve this island the earth itself is an island in the vast ocean of this universe you know how fortunate i feel and how blessed i feel that i can speak to this gentleman 
how fortunate I feel that I can speak to him and he can understand what I'm saying. Thank you for helping me achieve my purpose, sir. Because perhaps everyone else here, if I spoke to them in Sinhala, they would understand me. But because of you, I feel everything I've done to learn the language, to practice it, to keep on doing it, until I've been able to speak to you fluently, without hesitation, has all been worth it. Thank you, sir. I want all of you to feel that way. My purpose on this earth is to help other people, is to help heal hearts, is to help make a change in other people's lives, is to help people find the truth so that they can free themselves from all pain, from all frustration, from all anger, and from all annoyances, so that they can live a happy life. There are people hungry. That is not the problem that I see. They're hungry. And they're mentally suffering because of that. Hunger is what Vipaka brought them. But their mental suffering is a result of karma. All the good powers they, that may be, the UNICEF, the World Food Program, the United Nations, you know, they'll go and feed the young child. But who's going to help heal that mind? The United Nations can't do that. Only United Aryans can do that. That's why we have to be united. This is our organization to come together to come under one banner, to come under one flag, stand united and help heal the world. I need you to join me in that because something big is coming. I think our chance to shine, our chance to do this service to humanity is coming, folks. Only last week I spoke to you, right, that we were going to make this an international program as soon as the time is right. And we were going to start this again and, and, and extend this program so that it, was it would benefit our international listeners as especially the people who are not privileged enough to come here and listen to my teacher speak to them in Singhala. Do you know the, the number of emails that came back and the comments that came back in appreciation of that? If you had a chance to see some of them, you'd think to yourself, I need to do the same. That's why last week I reminded you, let's all learn a language. All of us. Doesn't matter that you're 60, 70, 80, who cares? Because how do you know how skilled you are at it? Perhaps it's something you've done in the past, in your previous lives. Then maybe one year of it and you'll speak like a parrot. You'll speak it so fluently. It'll just come to you naturally. Even if you don't, at least you've tried. That's what matters. So I urge each and every one of you, Pick up a language, Korean, French, German, Italian, Mandarin, Japanese. Learn a language. Because only 20 million people in this world speak Sinhalese. How can we help other people? English is not enough. And only me speaking English, speaking the Dhamma is not enough, certainly. That's how you should all do the same. Guide people. 
If you can't speak the Dhamma eloquently, guide them to the right place. Show them online. Because once they're on YouTube, they get lost. You know what YouTube's like. You know what's at the end of that tube, right? You go in there for one thing, you end up doing something completely different. Spending away precious hours of your life, wasting away precious moments of your life, indoctrinated with everything you watch on there, all designed carefully, crafted, skillfully, masterfully. To make you lose your bearings and entrap you in this sensual world. I don't say they're evil. Most of them do it because they don't know any better. So who needs to talk to them? You know, just think about it, folks, right? You know, there'll be some places on the internet where people will make material, videos and so on, and they'll post it to sensually gratify people who watch them. They don't realize how much harm they're doing to society and to themselves. They don't realize that. I wish I had the chance to go and speak to those people. Because there's everyone looking after the people who fall prey to them. But what about the people who are engaged in doing them? Because they're not bad people. They just haven't been showed the right path. Therefore, on the wrong path, they keep doing a pretty damn good job. I wish I could go and speak to people who sell their bodies for money. I wish. So I could talk to them and explain to them the truth that the things that they're going after are not the right things that make them happy because they do it so that they can earn something. But in attempting to do that, they don't know how much harm they do to themselves. And I don't mean the superficial harm. I don't mean the physical harm. I don't mean the things that they have to put their bodies through. That's not what I'm talking about. But by enticing someone sensually, the harm that they do for their future, it's just tremendous. But who's going to talk to them? When do they ever get a sermon? That's my question. When do they get a sermon? What, on poetess? People in prisons, they get sermons. People in remand homes, they get sermons. Huh? People in other establishments, they get sermons. Private businesses, they get sermons. But who talks to them? Who talks to the prostitutes? They're also people. They're also human beings. They just don't know the path. They just don't know what is They just don't know the truth. But someone must show it to them. I can talk to these young girls here so that one day they will never walk that path. I can talk to these young boys and girls in, his, in this room so that they'll never walk that path because they will learn and realize the truth, right? This ripe young age. But for some, they missed that opportunity because they didn't have teachers to guide them. They didn't have the Dharma Chakra. 
Why do you think we are ordaining so many people at this monastery? Why do you think Guru Swami Nuhansi will never, you know, it matters not that we don't have enough room or there's not enough accommodation. You know, when we get together as a Sangha council every couple of weeks and we go to Guru Hamdra and say, Guru Hamdra, there's not enough room now to get taken anymore. He says, no. Keep them on your head if you must, but bring them in. Because he must, you know, if I feel this so strongly, can you imagine how strongly must my teacher must feel about it? Because he is who taught me to feel and, and think like this. There's a huge journey in front of us. I can't even see the end. It's just so, so, so far away. But that doesn't set me back. It only inspires me more. I feel energized. I feel enthused. I feel empowered. I know I have to do this. And I need you to play a part in that. Do everything in your power. Breathe for other people. Walk for other people. Talk for other people. Live for other people. Help other people do the best that they can. Help them achieve and become more than they are today. That is the answer to your salvation. In no uncertain words, today I know that man's greatest service is his service to others. About that, I don't have a shadow of a doubt. And I'm not doing this because I feel I need to serve myself. No, honestly. Perhaps in the past, maybe I thought, well, if that's the way to do it, then what I need to do is give so I can get. Mm, it, that's not how this brain computes anymore. It's not how this mind works anymore. It, 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 that doesn't feel natural to me. I enjoy serving. So learn a language. Because one day you will come across a Spaniard. You will come across an Italian. You will come across a German. You will come across a Jew, a Hindu, a Christian, a Buddhist, a Muslim. They will not speak your tongue. They will not speak your native tongue. Then, in your armory, you'll have a weapon. Put that on the Dhamma Chakra and fire it. You'll be so glad you learned that lesson. As just as I feel today. As I said, I right to the start, I feel so happy. I feel so happy right now to have this gentleman here. I'm so happy that I can talk to him. I'm so happy that I can give the Buddha's message, the, give, the Buddha's gift to this gentleman. I can, I'm so happy that I can teach him that happiness is caused by attachment and not because of the things you have around you. So you don't need to get rid of the things around you 
and you don't need to bring things close to you either. If you want to be happy, rid the mind of attachment. Not knowing that is ignorance. That is what the Four Noble Truths teach us. But I'm able to do that because, because I made that effort. And to all the teachers who taught me so painstakingly, who sat by my side and taught me the alphabet, I'm so eternally grateful to them. Wherever they might be today, I transfer merits to them. They may be among the living, they may be among the dead. But I want them to know, thanks to you, today I'm able to help the world. They who sit the head down by my side held my hand and taught me how to write, taught me how to read, taught me the meanings of the words that I came across. There was a time where I was sat in a class and I couldn't even ask for permission to go, go and use the toilet. There was. That was the first day I found myself in an English medium school. I didn't even know the words to get asked for permission to go to the toilet. You know what happened? I wet myself. I did. Because there was no one around me who could, who could speak my language. There was just one person another girl, who was sat a couple of desks away. She was the only one who spoke in Sinhalese. But she was a girl. How could a guy like me tell her that I want to go to the toilet? I was far too embarrassed to say that. So in the end, the inevitable happened. And to this day, I remember that. And then I thought to myself, no, never again. That day, I was able to you know, I, I, because I didn't understand the language, I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. So I decided to change. I learned the language. Today, I help not only myself, but so many other people. Please, I ask you, please learn another language. Whatever that language might be, learn another language. Very few people in this world speak your mother tongue. Most of them speak another language. You need to be able to convey the Buddha's message to them. In, in, and with, with every sense of it. So you can't use the wrong word, then they won't get it. You need to be able to sense them. And they, you. So master it. Learn it, then master it. We do it with all our Swami Nuhansas at the monastery. All our Anagarikas. All our Anagarikas. Part of being here means they have to learn another language. So if one day you decide to come here, you will learn another language. You will. Because we are not happy with you just serving yourself. We want you to serve others. Because what you may not know just yet is serving others is serving yourself. God, I'm so lucky. <laughs> the flurry of emails that came, comments and appreciation for us making this change 
because now people know that if they wish to visit the monastery, they have a whole half day's session. They can come and they can precept in English, they can do the Buddha Puja in English, they can listen to the sermons, they can engage in discussions. I, you know, this was too late we did this. We should have done this much earlier. But, you know, as I said, something happened. I don't know what it was. Something happened. Something big is coming. And we are readying ourselves for that. I don't exactly know what that thing is, but it's coming. I speak to one of our Swami Nuances. You know, you know what his ambition is? One of our Swami Nuances. And I don't realize, I, I don't know whether he realizes the size of this, of this ambition that he has. I, I honestly feel that he's, you know, he doesn't realize how big of, how mammoth of a task he's taken on upon himself. Every time I ask him, what do you want to do with your life as a, as a monk? He says, Andro, there are 8 billion people in this world and I will lead them to Nibbana. <laughs> and he says this with all his heart and I can sense that. You know, it's like the Bodhisattva. Only upon becoming a Buddha did he realize that that was not an achievable task. He wanted to take every single sentient being to Nibbana and then him, like the captain of a ship, all before me, me last. But he says, and he's not just saying it because, you know, it would be pointless just to say something like that to me. I understand that, you know, there are so many people in this world, but he, he says, I will do this. There are 8 billion people in this world. You just let me at them. He says, prepare me so I can go and do my job. A few months ago, about a, almost a year ago, I saw him doing some research. He was looking up, you know, what language do most people in this world speak? Mandarin. Because that's where most of the people live in China. The largest portion of the world's population are there. And he said, I want to learn this language. Like, you're mad. <laughs> it's one of the most difficult languages to learn. If any of you have ever tried it, it's, not, it's nothing like English. It's nothing like Sinhalese. Every, they have pictures apparently. And every picture, in every picture, there's a whole sentence, apparently. And there are numerous alphabets that you have to master. And apparently even Chinese people, they, all their life, they learn the language and they still can't master it. And this Swami Nuhansa says, I want to learn that language because if I learn that language, then I can help as many people as I possibly can. I can start there. He learns English and he learns Mandarin and on God knows what he's going to do next. I know he's not done yet. I wouldn't be surprised if he came back a few months later and said, I want to learn Tamil as well. And then he said, I want to learn Mongolian. And he said, I want to learn German. 
is so motivated. I speak of one person. But such is the character of almost everyone you see in this monastery. Because they're your children. They have their blood, your blood in their veins. They have your charisma. They bring something about you to this place. We shine it, we polish it, we nurture it, and we foster it. You give them nature, we give them nurture. As I say, you and I, all of us, we have to do this. Something's coming. Mark my words, something's coming. In the next few years, you won't be able to just sit on your bottoms like that, just looking at me. Oh, what else do you have to say, Swami Nuhansa? You will have something big to do. Something very big, something grand. You'll all be part of something much, much, much bigger than you. I can't quite put my finger on it just yet, but it's coming. Mark my words. It'll happen in your lifetimes. As I say, right now, start. Start it now. I feel a lot of people will start coming to this monastery. I feel. A lot of people from other countries. They'll come searching for the truth. Because people who come here will go and talk about this place. They'll talk about how their lives changed by coming here. They'll realize that they have found out something about themselves and they have been able to help their friends, their children, their parents make a positive change in their lives. And they'll want their friends, their colleagues, their acquaintances, people that they care about to experience that. And then they'll start coming here. When they start coming here, I don't think, just as Swami Nuhan says, just us, we can cater to their needs. You will have to be ready for that. You'll, have, you'll at least have to be able to tell them where the toilet is in a language that they can understand. At least. You should be able to ask them, are you comfortable? Are you okay? Can I offer you a seat? The sermon starts at quarter past seven. That's where the library is. Guru Andhra tells me, you know, in the near future, Swami Nanze, he tells me, because he was quite pleased about the fact that we've started this program in the library from the morning. He says, very soon, I want to start one in Tamil, somewhere else in this monastery, you know, in, in our premises. He says, after that, we'll do one in German. After that, we'll do one in Hindi. After that, we'll do one in Japanese. After that, we'll do one in French. <laughs> He's ambitious in block capitals. <laughs> And I tell him, don't you worry, sir. Because our team, we, whatever you say, you just give us the command, you guide us. And be the strength to us. And we will walk that journey. And we'll make it happen. I know in his life he wants to do so much before he goes. 
That's why he keeps telling me, I have very few years left. You think he's only, I think he's almost 40 now. And you tell me what, that's, he's just only starting life. But not with the thing, plan, things he've got, he's got planned. With the plans that he's got, he tells me life is too short. You know, that's something you normally hear someone in their late 60s, 70s, 80s in life is too short now. Right? He's not even 40 and he says life is too short. So many things to do and so little time left to do it all. That's why one man is not enough to do this. To do all this, the most important thing is for you to realize the Dhamma. Without that Dharma Chakra, you are no one. Without that Dharma Chakra, you are susceptible and you are vulnerable. Other people can influence you. Other people can misguide you and throw you out of the path. So make sure that you've got the Dharma Chakra. Make sure you live and you breathe the Four Noble Truths. Make sure you understand what suffering is. Make sure you understand the noble truth of suffering. Make sure you realize that this, all of this suffering, only you and you are responsible. None of it is something that comes from the outside. None of, it, none of, none of it is God-given. None of it is given to you by your friends or family or strangers. It's not the man who trampled on your foot that made you unhappy. That action might have caused you pain physically, granted, but not the mental suffering, not the anger. He's not responsible for that. That is your own making. That is your own mistake. Once you realize that, you realize that happiness is also self-made. It's all yours. It's, it's there with you right now. It's like iron, but rusted. If the iron is the happiness, the rust is the suffering that you create for yourself. Rub it out. Scrape it off. And you don't need to do anything else. You don't have to do anything extraordinary to get that happiness because it was always there. That's the beauty of it. So really the only, only thing we need to the only thing we create is suffering, but people think we need to create happiness. That's why they, they go do all sorts of things to try and create happiness. Let's create happiness. You can't create happiness. Happiness is there. The only thing you create in your attempt to create happiness is suffering. That's because of your attachment. That makes me happy, she makes me happy, he makes me happy, that place makes me happy, that thing makes me happy. The moment you think that, now you're attached to it because you think pleasure comes from the outside. Now you go looking for it. The moment you decided to do that, you sacrificed your peace of mind, your happiness. I need you to understand that. I need you to internalize that. I need you to Believe that with conviction, not because I say so. How do you know if you have internalized this and you have understood this and not because I say so? Look at yourselves and how you conduct yourselves in my absence. Not when someone is looking at you. Not when you have someone else watching over you. When you are all alone by yourself. 
There might be others around you, but only you know what's going on inside, right? You can wear a smile on your face, but on the inside, if you're frowning, if you're crying and weeping, if you're fuming on the inside, what's the point? Well, the point is, there's more you need to do. That is the best way to check this. So that's why right from the start, I've been saying, folks, your realization, your freedom, your salvation is not in how much Dhamma you understand, not in how well you can relate the Dhamma or, or, or discuss the Dhamma or in the questions that you ask. You know, you, you can't impress me by the questions you ask. You can't come and ask me a question from dependent origination or the Abhidhamma and say, oh, look, Saminasa, how much I know the question I have no one else has. I'm not impressed by that, but I'm impressed by your conduct. I'm impressed in the way that you conduct yourself in difficult situations. Because in the toughest times is when we see people's character, their true character. When times get tough, in times of turmoil, that's when we get to see people's true character. How do you know your real friends? At the party? <laughs> Tell me, how do you know your true friends? Difficult times, right? In the difficult times. When everyone leaves you and says goodbye, or they don't even talk to you, they ignore your phone calls, they ignore the knock on their door, hmm? they ignore your text messages, they ignore your plea for help, there'll be a few among them who'll say, tell me, what can I do for you? Sometimes they were not there at the party. Everyone else was, but they weren't. They were not there at the Thanksgiving. They were not there at the celebrations, at the ceremonies, at the functions. They were not there. They were never to be seen. And you thought, ah, they don't even come to the party. But when times get tough, when pushed come to shove, that's when they're there. See, this is how you know your true friends, right? Now, how do you find out who you really are? If that's how you can judge a true friend, how do you judge who you are? In the tough times, in difficult weathers, when times are challenging, in the difficult times, see how you react, see how you respond. When forces around you will try to lure you into the clenches of sensuality, See how you'll face those situations. See if your better judgment will always stand in front of you and guard you. Or will it only come after the fact? When the deed is done and it's all too late, now all that's left is to suffer the consequences. When anger tries to get the better of you, when someone upsets you, when someone tries to annoy you, when someone says something bad to you, when someone tries to anger you or accuses you of things you've never done, you've never even thought, not in a million years or even in a dream, and they accuse you of it, how do you feel? Now, no one can see how you're feeling. It's all on the inside. That's the acid test. 
If you feel but don't do, you're a good man. But if you don't feel, now you're a great man. No animosity, no grudge, no resentments. All you see is Vipaka. That's what was meant to be. How can I help him free himself from anger? I want you to be like that. I want you to be like that, folks. Someone comes and screams at you, shouts at you, angry, fuming at you, and you're there thinking, how can I help him? How can I help him come out of this rage? How can I help him feel better? How can I help cool him down? And not get and not have anger burn him on the inside. I want you to be someone who feels like that. That's what I subscribe to. That's the lesson I have learned. That's what I live by. I want you to be like that. See, therefore, if you are someone like that, even someone who's angry is in a good place when they come to you. <laughs> Aren't they? Someone is in a rage of a fit and they're still in a good place if they come to you. And when they come to you, they feel like murdering someone as Angulimala once was. But he was fortunate enough to find himself in a good place in the presence of an Aryan who was able to talk sense into him using the right words because, you know, those words will have depth, gravity and meaning and sense all down to what you feel on the inside. These words, if you feel you are affected by, it's because I practice them. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. If all I do is come up here and give you a good talk, trust me, you're not idiots. You're not idiots. You will know that he's just giving a good talk, but inside, he's just a hypocrite. You, you have lived enough to know that. You have come across enough people to learn that. So if you feel affected by these words, it's because I practice what I preach. And I want you to do the same. Be someone who's a magnet for other people's merit. Anyone in your presence, only good will happen to them. Only good things will happen to them. Be a person like that. So if that person tramples on your foot, it was his good day. Huh? They're messing with the right person. <laughs> Become the right person to mess with. What do people normally say? You're messing with the wrong person. You're messing with the wrong guy. Huh? Be the right guy to mess with. Then you can make an invitation out to everyone. You want to mess with someone? Come on then. Mess with me. Because I am someone who sorts out messes. You can, folks. You can. I know you can. I know you can and I know you will. Because this path is just so crystal clear. And I speak with conviction. I speak because I, I, have, I have seen the truth. And I speak because I, I, I experience this. I speak firsthand. <laughs>
I have transformed, my life has changed. I am not who I used to be. Oh, I'm not who I used to be, trust me. I'm a different man to who I was. It is because of the Dhamma. My teachers helped me learn the Dhamma, understand the Dhamma. But it was because I let the Dhamma change me and I let it transform me. I am today who I am. That's why I feel the way I do. That's why I feel that I am so little, yet there's so much that I can do. And you can too. Right, enough from me for today. We have lots planned for the rest of the day. I'm already five minutes past my due time. Next up, we have the Buddha Puja. I think they've brought the Buddha Puja in here. So you, I think you have brought flowers and incense and so on. So we have laid out this table here so you can indulge yourself in the merits. You can do whatever you like, however you wish. And this is your home while you're here. Please be yourself. Enjoy, have a good time, experience this and help everyone have a good time. Because it may be that these are the only minutes they get to do all week. Because once they leave this place, who knows who they'll come across. You have to be around noble people, around noble friends to be able to become noble and be good and for your merits to be drawn and attracted towards you. Your presence may be the best presence that they'll have the entire week. That's why you are a blessing to each and every one of you. Enjoy your presence. Enjoy your company. This is good company. Good company, private limited. Right, so we'll stop for the Buddha Puja. And you can do that. Swami Nasi will conduct the Buddha Puja. And then after that, you will go and join the uh, arms round. And after that, in the afternoon, we will have the discussions. So we are not going to do the meditation sessions today because we want to play it by ear and, how, and see how it goes. There's a box at the back. Please drop your questions. If you have any anonymous questions, you can put in there. Or if you feel free to ask questions then and there, you can always do that. So we have plenty of time for that. I think we've got set aside about one and a half hours, which is enough and more time for you to really you know, get to go through those questions and, and make sure that you've got it all uh, off your chest, so to speak. Um, I, I, I'd love it if you can make your questions practical questions, right? Rather than purely Dhamma. It, it's okay if you have Dhamma-related questions, it's, it's perfectly fine. But the more practical they are, the more it'll, it'll make a change and a difference in you. The more it'll help you walk away a better man, a better woman, a better person. I almost forgot. Big things are happening, big things are coming. I almost forgot. By popular demand, we have decided to offer an English Dhamma school at the monastery. Now, to do that, I need to understand how many, although there's been a lot of demand, maybe it's the same parent who came and kept asking every week. <laughs> And then whoever, 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 and send emails, maybe it's the same person. Who do, you know, we don't know. Some parents go to great lengths. <laughs> so an application has been made available. Uh, yes, an application has been made available. 
you can get it by contacting the uh, charity trust office or aka harshamatya this dhamma school will be held in english and at the monastery so the, i'm not talking about the online one that will happen alongside that but we will have it at the monastery and uh, we want to our plan is to have uh, for both boys and girls if we have enough numbers then we might even decide to split it up and be able to offer uh, anagarika mahatmyas the the bni one uh, for the daughters and the uh, sami nohanses to uh, conduct the daru or the uh, for our sons so the applications are now open if you have someone you if you know someone who wishes to join uh, or if there are those among you who are even if you're in the singhala program you can still make an application and then request to join this if you feel that this it would be better in this in the english medium that's up to you so the applications are available just want to let you know please submit an application within the next 2 weeks so we we can leave enough time for us to uh, process your applications and uh, get an idea of numbers and uh, then we'll make a start to uh, enlist more people to join the army right so with that i'm going to do a very short transfer of merits and i will make way for uh, swami nuanze to come up here and continue with the program with the with the puja okay so let us take a moment to transfer all the merits that we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the noble triple gem chanting pirit listening to the dhamma and engaging in various meritorious deeds today by transferring these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis upasakas and upasikas who have since time immemorial protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage as well as all our teachers monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin come rain or shine as well as guru swami nuhanse and all the teachers resident at this monastery the anagarikas and anagarika community as well as your friends your parents husbands wives brothers and sisters sons and daughters other relations who have always been by your side your teachers who have always guided you been by your side and supported you right from your formative years and always been there to pave the path to a good future may they all rejoice in the merits that we have all acquired today and also the devotees of the monastery friends of our monastery who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the mahasangha by providing the four requisites as well as passing on their know-how and extending their well wishes let us also take a moment to transfer merits to the devas and brahmas spirits and demons sakadeva for all the and as well as all the nimas gods and deities who protect the samudha sasana and also your guardian deities who keep a, who always keep a watchful eye over you and keep you out of harm's way let us also take a moment to transfer merits to our ancestors who have predeceased us and to all those who have been our families friends and acquaintances in this long journey in sansara as well as the armed forces as well as the police force who sacrificed their lives to keep us safe and in keep our nation in harmony and peace let us also take a moment to transfer merits to those who have been affected by natural calamities such as the tsunamis and earthquakes landslides pandemics forest fires and so on 
including the most recent and prevailing ones, and reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey and sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer those merits to them. May by the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May those in the blissful plain be able to understand, realize the Dhamma, and attain the noble bliss of Nibbana. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sad, sad, sad. And finally, let us all resolve that may through the power and blessings of all the mates we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of Arahants on this blessed land. And may by the power of all the mates we have acquired today, you and I and everyone whose help make this program a success, become an Arahatan Mahanse, an Arahat Mehenin Mahanse in this life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all forever. The members of the Mahasangha will now transfer their blessings to you. Raga Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukita Tara Vetna Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukita Tara Vetna Mamada Sialuloka Sialusatnayo Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukita Tara Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukita Tara Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukita Tara Ragagini Niveva Dveshagini Niveva Mohagini Niveva Nivansapaladeva Nivansapaladeva Nivan Sapala Deva Turvange Suvis Yanantamaha Gunabelin Silulok Sil Satyoma Nibana Paramasukin Sukitaravita Sadhu Sadhu Sadhu